CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. This is the Tom Hartman Program. A lot going on today on the in the news and on our program. Congressman Pocan will be with us in just a second for our National Progressive Town Hall meeting. Professor Richard Wolf will also be with us about what's the deal with the debt ceiling and the Treasury and trillion dollar coins and all kinds of stuff. And the breaking news right now is that there is a school shooting in a Texas high school. Amy Vanderpool over at her Shiro newsletter notes, last week there were 12 separate mass shootings in the United States. Nine people killed, 51 injured in Seattle, Oakland, Chicago, Manhattan, Minneapolis, Chicago, Cedar Rapids, Iowa, Washington, D.C., and Aurora, Colorado. This is another one. So all that said, it is time for Congressman Mark Pocan, our old buddy from the Congressional Progressive Caucus, a former co-chair of that caucus, and in fact a, a member, and he's also on the Appropriations, Education, and Labor Committees in the House of Representatives. He represents the 2nd District of Wisconsin in the U.S. House. Pocan, P-O-C-A-N.house.gov is his website. His Twitter handle is Rep. Mark Pocan. And Congressman Pocan, welcome back to the program. I'm, I'm curious what's at the top of your list. I'm guessing it has something to do with the debt ceiling and the reconciliation bills. You got it. <laughs> exactly, Tom. Good to see you. You know, first off, it's really more of a Senate-held problem at this point on the debt ceiling, I think, uh, with, with you know, Republicans simply refusing to do anything. You know, we've been able to pass bills out of the House around it, but there's a real hard date uh, coming up on October 18th. And uh, I, I worry that this is the first time ever you've seen the Republicans not do what we've always done. Um, we can talk more about it, but I, I, I think the other thing that you're really seeing a lot of our heavy lifting, a lot of our time going into is getting the, the Build Back Better agenda of Joe Biden done. Um, it's a pair of twin bills coming through the House and Senate. Uh, it will be truly the, the biggest thing done by any Congress probably since uh, Dwight Eisenhower or FDR, um, truly since uh, that era of time. And uh, it's important we get that done. I, I still think uh, we're going to. Um, we've got a couple folks in the Senate, maybe a handful or two in the House, but really a couple people in the Senate that we're still trying to get fully on board. But uh, everyone else is rowing together. That's the good news. And uh, I think we're going to have some real big benefits for the American people come through these bills. And what's amazing is if you uh, add up just the Bush tax cuts and the Trump tax cuts uh, over, over, you know, extending them for the 10 years that this would take, and of course the Bush ones go back, you know, almost 20 years, um, that's more like 10 or 12 trillion dollars. I mean, you know, on its face it was, you know, uh, one and change for Trump and one and change for Bush, but 
if you just took their short-term consequences, it would be less than $3.5 trillion. Republicans are fine with that. They're all hysterical about this. And, of course, a couple of Democratic senators. Well, in the real fight, Tom, and I've said this, and, and I really want people to understand this, the real fight isn't among Democrats, the infighting. I mentioned how very few people aren't on the same page as the rest of us. The fight is between big pharma, uh, which is going to be paying for some of this, and some of the big corporations, uh, either for, you know, the bill is paid for, so really it costs nothing, and that's part of the beauty of it, but it makes corporations that often hide their profits overseas now responsible and have to pay. And big pharma, because of negotiating for drug prices through Medicare, are also helping bring in some savings that help pay for these other benefits. They're the ones who are opposing it. So it's big pharma and the big special interests versus the Build Back Better agenda. And I think the more we explain that's the real dichotomy, uh, the better we're being honest and representing what we're really fighting. Yeah, absolutely. Sadly. And uh, let's start out here. Unless there's anything else you wanted to, to mention before we jump to the calls. No. Okay. All right, right to the call. Sounds let's great. do it. Uh, Kay, uh, Kathy in Seattle. Kathy, you are on the air with Congressman Pocan. Oh, hi there. I just wanted to ask you if you know that this stuff was going on, but I was a longtime customer of AT&T. Uh, after landline, I switched to a cell phone. So I've been with them about 40 years. So when I separated from my plan in January, I wanted to get my money back. My, uh, unfortunately, Another payment had gone through on my from my um, from my bank to them directly before I caught it, so they owed me one hundred and seventy six dollars. Well, they wanted to pay me in a card, and I said, "No, I don't want a card. I paid you in cash. I want to get cash for. I want to get a check back." And all I could do was talk to people in the Philippines. It was very difficult, and I went around and around and around with them. Finally, this is what nine months later because they sent a card to the wrong address and it went back to them. Finally, they decided to give me a check, which I just cashed. So, Kathy, what's your question? Do you know that this stuff is going on and that they're keeping customers' money? Yeah, I think I can address a 30,000-foot level of your question, Kathy, especially around the call centers. You know, we have worked with groups like the Communication Workers of America on this. You know, so many call centers are being put overseas and in other countries in Central and South America right now. And, uh, you know, this is part of the continued globalization efforts where they are just trying to save a nickel or dime and they make it harder on consumers. So whether it be that or whether them not want to give you a check versus a card, uh, all of these are consequences of consolidation and we're trying to deal with through antitrust because, you know, if you named what telecommunication companies you know, there's probably, they're going to fit on one hand, right? And that doesn't always benefit consumers. So I'm not surprised that they don't really care enough about your business to treat you like a real consumer should be treated. But there are a number of measures in Congress we are looking at. I don't know if uh, with a 50-50 Senate, all of them are going to breeze through, but there are absolutely members of Congress paying attention and trying to do something about it. Omar in Herndon, Virginia, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Sir Tom Harmon and Laura Mark Pocan, good day to you both. Uh, Mr. Pocan, I really think Joe Biden needs to start twisting some arms on the Senate floor until we hear a bone crack. And my second question is, um, I gave up on Joe Manchin and Kirsten Seminar. Are there any other moderate Republican that we can convince to get Joe Biden's agenda passed, you know, i.e. infrastructure and everything else? Are there any other senators that we can plead to, like a moderate one? Thank you. Sure, uh, Omar. Well, first of all, let me just say, Joe Biden is working very hard. The way he works is behind the scenes, very quietly. He makes a lot of calls 
has a lot of meetings, but he doesn't go to the public until he needs to, and he uses that very sparingly. So don't think for a second he's not uh, doing all the things that you would like him to do. Um, I just saw something recently, Joe Manchin just came across that he supports Medicare uh, negotiating for prescription drugs. So, you know, we're back down to now one person, uh, maybe who's not on board, Kirsten Cinema. I think the people of Arizona can do the best job in putting that pressure on, uh, honestly, because I think that does need to happen. But, uh, you know, 48 senators uh, and several hundred House Democrats are all rowing in the same direction. We're waiting for a couple folks in the Senate, maybe a handful or two uh, in the House to figure out what kind of ore they want their wood made out of, and they'll be with us. I I think we're going to pass these bills, um, but unfortunately, a few folks in the Senate, knowing it's a 50-50 margin, are are using that to every advantage. I do think, though, it's time for people to quit being coy. You know, I I think when the President of the United States asks you what you're for, Joe Manchin started telling him what he's for, and he's negotiating like you're supposed to. We need everyone to do that, because uh, he is the President. Um, We are Democrats working together to get a big agenda done, but it's time that everyone be, be working to really very transparently about what they're for so that we can get this deal done. I predict it'll happen in October, Tom. Uh, I think we're going to get it done. I sure hope you're right, because I, I, I fear that if, if uh, President Biden can't get this done, it's going to be real bad news for the Democrats, which, of course, is why, you know, the billionaires are leaning on Cinema and Mansion. I'm guessing. Congressman Mark Pocan with us on the Tom Hartman program, our national progressive town hall meeting. Morris in Long Beach, California. Hey, Morris, you're on the air with Congressman Pokin. Hey, good morning, everybody. Congressman, uh, do you think it would be a good idea for the president, the Democratic Party, to run ads in the state of West Virginia, to run ads in the state of Arizona, letting these people know that their senators are obstructing the, the Build Back Better plan of the Democratic Party? Now, I'm talking about manifestation, not articulation of vernacular. If you look at how those two people, two people are, are acting, those two senators, they're obstructing what the president's agenda is. Now, I know they're Democrats, they got a big D, but they're acting like they got an R in front of their names. Now, we can lie about invading Iraq. I think we can tell the truth about these surrogates of the devil. You got to look at how people are suffering today, and they don't seem to be sensitive to that. So my question to you is, do you think that the president should call them out in their states on TV and let the people know that they are acting like Republicans, obstructing the president's agenda, the Build Back Better plan, and we would all live better if they invested in us, but these people are holding it up. Do you think they should run their mouths and call them out? And thank you. Thank you, Morris. Yeah, Morris, I I think the president is more likely to um, try things first with carrots than sticks, and he's doing that. And um, he's now traveling the country. He was in Michigan the other day. I know he's going to Arizona. He's going to other spots that will provide, I think, the pressure you're looking for and talking about his agenda, which is extremely popular by every poll that we look at. So I I think a lot of that's going to happen. I think part of the complexity is, you know, uh, we know generally Senator Sinema, for example, is um, very supportive of many of the climate change measures, but maybe Joe Manchin isn't as supportive. And we know that uh, Joe Manchin may be a little more supportive of some of the revenue uh, where Senator Sinema may not. So in some cases, it's not like they have the same agenda which is all the more why we need them to work with us, be very transparent about what they want so we can get the final details done. Uh, And the Progressive Caucus, by the way, also has uh, things that we voted on, five priorities we want to make sure that are in the bill, and that's part of the meetings that we've had uh, with the president. The good news is the president, uh, largely, uh, his agenda is our agenda, and we have his back through this fight. It's not like those two senators have the exact same issues, and so each one's kind of unique, and the president is going to be traveling the country. 
David in Rifle, Colorado. You are on the air with Congressman Pocan. Good morning, Representative Pocan. I was wondering, I've never heard anyone talk about the uh, increase in tax revenue we're going to be getting just for regular people. Is there any accounting for that in pay-fors on this uh, bill? Yeah, David, l- let me put it this way, because I think this is the, what you're getting at, is in the Build Back Better Act, as currently proposed, as passed by the House, one, there's a tax cut for many, many Americans. 40 million American families via the child tax credit would be extended beyond the COVID relief that it was provided for years. And that's helping lift half of the children in this country out of poverty. That's a huge measure. Second, uh, we're saving American families money via the lower cost in prescription drugs, uh, via the, the child care uh, options that no one will pay more than 7% of their income, uh, via the community college provisions, the family medical leave, uh, the expansion of Medicare to dental, vision, and hearing, um, all of those things are going to save people uh, dollars. Uh, third, uh, it creates millions of jobs, including many that are tackling climate change, and uh, the best part is it's paid for, right? Uh, that's the whole point is through going after people who make more than 400000 a year, corporations that often haven't paid taxes, and uh, pharma via the negotiating for drug prices, uh, all of it is paid for. So those are all benefits that are going to come to real uh, working Americans finally um, and I think that's why this is the biggest thing you've seen happen in, in decades in Congress and why it's so important we get it done. David in St. Paul, Minnesota, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Yeah, thanks for taking my call. Hey, uh, I was just wondering this ridiculous debt ceiling um, argument or debate that's not even a debate that's occurring because um, of the Republicans' reluctance. I'm wondering why the if the Democrats could propose a bill, that standalone bill that says we're just going to We'll repeal all the tax cuts. We'll repeal everything and make government function at a minimal level just to have a functioning society. And even if it doesn't pass, make the Republicans justify supporting their tax cuts while the federal government collapses and causes a deep, deep, you know, worldwide recession. If indeed that's what the implications of them doing this would be. Sure, David. Well, the. Part of the problem is that's only a part of it. I mean, there's a whole lot more. It's, it's honestly, it's, it's a ridiculous, only Washington could love idea of having a separate vote on the debt ceiling because it's like you signing a contract to buy a house and then every month you decide whether or not you're going to mail your payment. That's what the debt ceiling is for the federal government. So there is legislation introduced just to get rid of the debt ceiling. If we authorize expending money as a Congress, that's it. You shouldn't come back at the second vote because all it is is causes for obstruction Constructionist, uh, you know, uh, hanky panky, rather than anything of substance or of policy. So, I, I, to me, that's the better approach, David. Is let's just move forward and get rid of the stupid uh, second need to lift the debt ceiling. Because uh, if we've already authorized the spending as a Congress, um, we're responsible for it. And having the second kick of the can is just silly. Rich and Cedro Woolley, Washington. You're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Well, you're right right on topic here. I was going to propose, since, uh, yeah, Mitch McConnell is crudely, obviously, uh, using this uh, debt ceiling issue to make you burn your your one and only reconciliation card, why don't we oblige him by tacking, and take a page from the Republican playbook, tack on an 11th hour amendment to the Build Back Better bill that simply repeals the debt ceiling law. 
Yeah, I I can't answer if that would pass under the uh, bird rule for reconciliation with the Senate parliamentarian, the unelected person that seems to have more power than any member of Congress would say on that. But I do think that, you know, we are really trying to get everything done, including these these important Build Back Better Act bills, along with all this. That's why I think it's all going to happen in October. So um, we may not have to burn an extra uh, try uh, potentially at reconciliation if we can get some people to agree with us. But it's just a completely silly prospect, Rich, as you said, that we're still having this vote. So I think our goal is really to get this out of the way because it's important for the countries uh, and for our, our fiscal, you know, uh, respect that we have uh, and our ratings, and we want to get these big bills done because it's important for the American people, and we're moving as fast as we can to get this done. Chris in Eagleton, Pennsylvania. Hey, Chris, what's up? Hey, guys. I want to know what Congressman Polkamp, what are you going to do with people for disabilities and the gay community? And Tom, I love you. And Polkana, I like the work you're doing, too. Thank you, Chris. Well, thank you, Chris. And, you know, I think from the earlier call, too, let me give a follow-up answer. My office actually said that in a 2010 bill, there is a height standard for toilets in hotels. So as the person brought that up, I just wanted to make sure I, I gave the information so there is a standard that has to be out there. You know, again, I think you know, we have to continue to make sure that we enforce and live and breathe the spirit of the ADA that passed many, many years ago so that everyone has the full access to all the benefits that we have in society, and that includes uh, anyone who may have a disability. So um, thank you for, for the question. Dave in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. You are on the Earth, Congressman Pocan. Hi, Tom. Hi, Congressman Pocan. On uh, has anybody considered drafting up a resolution or bill for those uh, seditionists from January 6th who were veterans, and that, and for them to deny them benefits anymore, and you know, stripping them of their benefits and charging them for the stuff that they had received because obviously they didn't believe in our government anymore and then to uh, give uh, any veteran or any active duty people their dishonorable discharges so they would never get benefits. Yeah, Dave, I'm not aware of any bill draft that way. I think most of us are just watching with I think good anticipation what all comes through that commission, especially with uh, trying to bring some folks in with subpoenas. We want to get to the bottom of what happened, and perhaps some recommendations will come out of that commission, but nothing that I know of offhand has been introduced. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Sometimes Louise and I just crave a restaurant-quality dinner at home without doing all the work or driving. Well, Cook Unity is the first chef-to-you service delivering locally sourced meals from award-winning chefs right to your door every week. And it appears to be less expensive than other delivery options. Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman with two N's or enter the code Hartman with two N's before checking out for 50% off your first week. We just received our first meals from Cook Unity and what a huge difference it is to get the best chefs in the country to bring creative, delicious meals to us and you every week. Every meal is handcrafted by chefs and made in local micro kitchens, not large production facilities. We just had the chipotle maple glazed salmon with green beans and mango pico de gallo. It had everything we love in a meal. They have all sorts of options like vegan, paleo, pescatarian, gluten-free, and more. Menus are posted two weeks in advance so you have plenty of time to choose. Experience chef quality meals every week delivered right to your door. Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman with two N's 
or enter the code Hartman, the two N's, before checking out for 50% off your first week. That's 50% off your first week by using the code Hartman or going to cookunity.com slash Hartman. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Mike in Whiting, Maine. You are on the air with Congressman Mark Pocan. Yes, how are you doing? Thank you, Tom, for the education. Sure. It's nice to meet you, talk to you, Congressman. My question is, uh, when they did away with the mail sort machines, who authorized it? Why was it authorized? And how much money did the uh, post office lose when we uh, took those machines out and threw them away? Yeah, I, I can answer, I think, two of the three questions um, for you, Mike. The problem is uh, it's DeJoy and the Postal Board of Governors that essentially authorized it. DeJoy moved forward, and the Board of Governors appoints the Postmaster General, which has been one of the problems. And I know that many people on this show uh, and many people in my district are very, very concerned. In fact, I just saw something that was concerning uh, that, again, they're going to do some changes at the holidays, changing the price of packages now. There's a lot of concerns I have around how they make decisions right now. I don't know if DeJoy is really the person uh, for the moment at all uh, at the at the post office, and yet we have to get a change in some, I believe, some more boards of governors in order to have an impact uh, over getting rid of him, uh, which I think is exactly what needs to happen. But, you know, to your specific question, um, you know, he did it. Essentially, he has that authorization via the Board of Governors. And the third question, I just don't know offhand what the cost was to that. I, I believe December 8th is the magic day. That's the day that Ron Bloom, the Democrat who is a big supporter, who's on the Postal Board of Governors and is a big supporter of Louis DeJoy, he was put there by Trump even though he's theoretically a Democrat. That's the day his term expires, and Biden can replace him, which would be December 9th, presumably. And that, and that would break this 5-4 uh, stalemate in favor of DeJoy right now and could flip it the other way. Do you, can you confirm that, or do you know anything about that? I've just read about it. No, I, I don't know the date, but you're right. That's what we've been waiting for, right? Because uh, yeah. people want us to do something, and I wish if I could do something right now, DeJoy would be uh, working at a Kentucky Fried Chicken. Um, <laughs> but uh, I don't have that ability uh, in and of myself. So um, really, it is the Board of Governors, and um, we, we knew we needed the one more seat. So you, you've probably got more information, as you often do, Tom, um, but December 8th, that's good news to me, because that means, uh, you know, there, there's an end, hopefully, in sight. Yeah, I've only, I've only read it in one source, but I, my recollection is it was a credible source, you know, like the New York Times or something. It was just kind of parenthetically mentioned in an article, and I thought, whoa, you know, but we'll see. Okay, Chris, in Woodbridge, uh, Virginia, you are on the air with Congress in Pocan. Hey, Tom. How are you, Congressman? How are you? Uh, I just wanted to see if maybe you could discuss with your colleagues and on the Democratic side that the messaging could possibly better be better about the child tax care credit, the, the monthly payments, and, and I'm uh, lucky enough to, to get those now as well, but that these are in advance on your child tax care credit, and you will not be able to claim that in April. Not A lot of folks are CPAs, and 
single parents, and people might be depending upon that money, might be in for a surprise in April or May. Yeah, well, I mean, Chris, I think the bigger part to focus on is that more people now are getting it than ever been able to get it, and you're able to get it um, uh, monthly and refundable, which has uh, been part of the goals of people like Rosa DeLauro for a long time. So uh, my guess is that uh, what's really of concern is making sure we've got a broader number of people getting it, which is why uh, in the Build Back Better Act we continue that. And uh, I will also mention, Chris, you said something, and this, please don't take this the wrong way, um, I've heard quite honestly, even the president say it incorrectly at times, it's the child uh, tax credit, not the child care tax credit, because uh, it has nothing to do with child care. That's why there's separate provisions we're trying to get done that would limit uh, people's child care expenses to no more than 7% of their income. But there is a, definitely a difference, and yet I, I've heard that merged by a number of people. So it's not a slight to you. It's, it's just making sure that we really focus on both, because both of those aspects are going to be huge game changers for the American people, continuing to get... Uh, that assistance via the child tax credit, and then also to be able to get the benefits of child care, because if you look at any graph around the world, uh, we provide so little towards child care compared to other countries. Uh, this really is a game changer, especially for women uh, trying to get into the workforce. Michael in Westerville, Ohio, you are on the air with Congressman Pocan. Good morning, Tom, and good afternoon, Representative Pocan. Delighted to speak with you. All the problems that we, we usually talk about around health care, climate change, voting, infrastructure, social needs. And you and the POCAN are one of 70-plus co-sponsors of a bill, the 28th We the People Amendment, that would remove the power of corporations to have the influence they do and of elections. Yet it is not being promoted. And it seems to me that this is the one act that could make change possible. And most Americans support the fact that corporations should have less money and money should not be in politics. Uh, what would it take for you and others to, to get more active in sponsoring and speaking out about this important need? Yeah, I'll tell you, one thing I think that, uh, Michael, is worth highlighting is, you know, I think it's been very beneficial to have a group like End Citizens United that has really worked with a lot of elected officials to get off of corporate PAC money. And now the number, and I, I don't want to even guess it, Tom, because I'm probably wrong, but I'm guessing it's 60 to 80, maybe 80-plus 80 people who no longer take corporate PAC money compared to when I first got to Congress, I think it was three or two wow. that didn't. That's having a big impact, right? Because what we're seeing right now is as corporations now are finally being asked to pay their fair share, yes, we have a few people still maybe listing a little too closely to those special interests, but by and large, people are supportive of these measures, and I think that is directly uh, linked to the fact that uh, people no longer go to corporations for money. So um, I, I agree with your point. Uh, I, I, corporations are not people, and there's a lot more we could talk about around that. I'm not sure with, with this Senate, the 50-50 Senate that we have, you're going to see those provisions go forward, but I do think you raise a really valid point, Michael, which is the more we can address the issues of corporate funding, especially uh, the PAC funding, I, I think we can show that there's some, some, some significant improvements because of the work of groups like End Citizens United. Becky in North Berwick, Maine, you are on the air with Congressman Pocan. Hi, I was wondering if the Medicare eligibility age was going to be lowered as part of the uh, Build Back Better program. I know it was discussed early on, but I haven't heard anything about that recently. 
Yeah, Becky, it's not in as amended by the House on the $3.5 trillion that was compromised down, don't forget, from the $6 trillion already. However, I can assure you people have not forgot about it. My good friend Pramila Jayapal and I have recently talked about some of the ideas we've advanced to the White House from the Progressive Caucus, and this is still on the list that we're putting forward. Wilson in Gurney, Illinois, you are on the air with Congressman Pocan. Hey, Tom. Hey, Congressman Pocan. How come there's not like a whole lot more emphasis being put on voting rights versus always the the, the infrastructure bill? You know, because it seems like right now the voting rights should be highlighted more, especially as we only have like the 50-50 vote in the, the Senate. And if we lose further due to all, all that such being pushed by the Republicans, it seems like we're going to be in a worse spot come uh, the midterms. Yeah, Wilson, I can tell you it's a real simple reason, um, because uh, you still need 60 votes for any voting rights changes unless you get rid of the filibuster where the Build Back Better agenda uh, can happen through a process called reconciliation. That as long as things are fiscal in nature, you can pass it with um, 51 votes, uh, hence why we're able to still get Joe Biden's agenda done on the Build Back Better Act in a process different than how we would do address voting rights. By the way, I've got a real special uh, report over at Hartman Report today. It's a real deep dive. Love you to take a check it out and give me your thoughts on it. Stephen in Albuquerque, New Mexico, you are on the air with Congressman Pocan. Yes, Congressman Pokeman. I've really had a. Um a little bit of fear about the last administration when it uh, came to uh, the president's pardon power. Are we crazy to give him pardon power? I read in a political article that 161 of the over 200 people he pardoned all had criminal records of some sort or another, or it's jeopardized our Constitution. Yeah, Stephen, I think that's a, a much a different level of debate, right, whether or not we're going to take away any of the current powers of the presidency. I can't say that members don't have a discussion on it. I just, you know, right now we really are 98 percent of the time immersed in either the debt ceiling or the Build Back Better agenda, uh, because both uh, hopefully have to happen in uh, October. But there may be people talking about it, but I, I haven't heard anything recently around it. Tom, also, just to correct my number, my office is being especially helpful today. I appreciate it. Um, 52 current sitting members of Congress uh, are not taking corporate PAC money, and 156 candidates in the last cycle uh, took the pledge as well. That is great. That is absolutely great. Chris, in Madison, Wisconsin, you are on the air with Congressman Pocan. Hi. Representative Polkan is actually my representative. Um, cool. And I, my question is this. Is there any way to have a bill like the infrastructure bill broken down by state, and therefore if the senator or the representative does not vote for it, that state gets less or none of those dollars? Basically, it would allow the person's vote to directly impact the constituents, and if the constituents don't want the money, great. But if they do, they'd put pressure on their people who are representing them. 
Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying, Chris. Um, we certainly can break it out by state. The problem is I don't think we can enforce it that way um, because, for, in, for example, our state of Wisconsin, um, where we appear, apparently have um, the Adams family of Senate delegations, we have uh, the amazing Tammy Baldwin, uh, a strong progressive, and we have Ron Johnson, um, who is, comes from the planet Q. Um, so, you know, one will vote one way, one will vote the other way. What does that mean for the people of Wisconsin? That would be the difficulty, I think, in trying to do something like that. The same would be true of congressional delegations. Um, but we can absolutely break it out and show people what their representatives are voting for or against, and hopefully that will be persuasive. Along, along those lines, has anybody ever proposed a um, uh, End Welfare As We Know It Act that would say that no state can take more than 1.2 uh, you know, more than 120% of the money that they send to Washington, D.C., or 150%, so that, like, Kentucky, that gets 350, that gets $3.50 back for every dollar they send to D.C., could no longer be on welfare that the rest of us pay for? Yeah, I don't know if I've, I've ever seen anything introduced like that. Uh, you know, as you know, uh, often a state, like, with a leadership, like, of Mitch McConnell is taking care of his state. Some states might be very small and, and for other reasons, um, have a higher than uh, ratio. You know, I think the bigger problem that we actually are facing these days, Tom, is some of these state legislatures in these states that don't take things like Medicaid expansion. And in my state of Wisconsin, that's costing a lot of people who could use health care and costing our system by not taking that money. That's uh, to me, the real, I, I think, tragedy out there. And that's part of why we're trying to fix that in the Build Back Better Back. Yeah, totally get it. Michael in Bronx, New York, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Hi, gentlemen. Very important question. With somebody like Kristen Sinema that is always saying no to um, the progressive agenda, saying no to um, the bills that benefit the American people, this is why we put the Democrats in back in office to begin with, and then Mitch McConnell always singing his praises to her and you know, just continuing the Republican agenda. And she doesn't want to talk to her constituents. She doesn't want to talk to her colleagues as to what she actually wants. I don't know what else there is there to do to get to the bottom as to what is really going on other than issuing her a subpoena and put her under oath the same way subpoenas were issued to the likes of Matt Gates and Jim Jordan when it comes to investigating the January 6th commission. Is that something that can possibly be done? Because I want some answers. <laughs> I hear you, Michael. Let me say this. I don't necessarily understand what um, Senator Sinema is doing exactly and in, in how she's handling this, but I do think at the end of the day, she's not going to go back to the state of Arizona and say she's the single vote that held up affordable child care or held up uh, lower cost of prescription drugs or held up a senior from getting a dental and vision and hearing uh, expansion. Uh, she'll come around. I just think she's got her certain things that we're going to have to resolve in getting this done. I, I wish she would be a little more like the other senators who are maybe, you know, publicly being more of team players. Um, but I, I think at the end of the day, she's not going to go back to Arizona and say those things, and, and we will get a bill. John in Auburn, Washington, you're on the air with Congressman. Thank okay. you. Thank you, Tom, and thank you, Mark. Okay. My question is about the Build Back Better bill, and we all know that the number being tossed about is $3.5 and we also know the big list of things that it's going to pay for. But I've never seen a, an actual budget proposal that shows how that $3.5 would be split up. And it seems like we can all read a budget, or most of us can, and um, what are the amounts for each of those programs? 
Oh, oh, John, that's all done. That's each committee that voted on it in the House, so that's all laid out there. Where you find that exactly, I don't know if I can tell you. I know it's out there, but it, that is done to the dime on the various proposals. Maybe we, maybe there should be a, a more accessible website or something that, that, that tells them. Anyhow, it got Honestly, been... sometimes even reading those things is difficult, as you know, Tom. Like, oh, you yeah. know, sometimes it doesn't make it user-friendly. Yeah. In our final 30 seconds, uh, what should we be paying attention to as we go into this next uh, you know, week or so? I mean, this is going to be really important. If you care about this Build Back Better agenda, actually having some benefits go to working people, we have to be calling our members of the House and Senate uh, and being heard. And also on the debt ceiling, especially with Republicans, I'm not so worried about Democrats. But, you know, playing that game and risking the, the financial, you know, terms for the United States is, is a big, big risk. People should really be active between now and the end of October on these issues. Thank you. Congressman Pocan, it's always great having you with us. Thank you so much for dropping by today. Absolutely. Thank you. Professor Richard Wolf is the economist, co-founder of democracyatwork.info, the author of numerous books. His most recent, The Sickness is the System, When Capitalism Fails to Save Us from Pandemics or Itself. It's also available now as an e-book, democracyatwork.info, Wolf with two fs.com, and Prof. Wolf on Twitter. Professor Wolf, welcome back, and, and uh, thank you so much for joining us again. I'm, I'm curious your thoughts on this whole debt ceiling debate and what's going on and you know, I know the history of this goes back to, to World War One. As a this was put into law to try to appease the people who didn't want to go into World War One, um, or were reluctant to see it as an open-ended conflict, so that there could be some uh, essentially regulation of our ability to spend into a war, um, and it just stuck around. And then, and then also this story that Axios is reporting that if the Republicans blow this thing up, the Treasury could just mint a couple of trillion dollar coins and pay down some of the debt that way. <laughs> Tell us your thoughts on all this. Okay. Um, it actually goes back very, very far, because if you think about it and you go back centuries, it has always been tempting in societies where there is money for whoever runs the society the king, the czar, the emperor, to get over hard times and difficulties by basically printing money, making the coins and printing the bills and getting out of a difficult situation. Politicians, you know, uh, want to please everybody by spending money on projects, and they also want to please everybody by not charging them taxes to pay for it. And the only way to pull off that miraculous trick is to print the money yourself, because then you can spend it without having to raise the taxes. But, of course, the problem then becomes, what's the limit? If the money keeps being printed and it prints more than there's goods and services around, well, then you're going to get that classic inflation, too much money chasing after fewer than that in the way of goods and services. So that's a fear that people don't want the inflation. So the solution was to put a limit on what the sovereign could spend. You did that in a parliamentary way by creating a Congress or things like that that had to go along with the president. But then there were always those moments when you really needed to stimulate the economy with lots of money, 
and when the politicians couldn't dare tax people, well, then they reverted to the money printing. And then they did it sometimes indirectly by not allowing the president here in the United States to do it, but by setting up this quasi-independent thing, uh, which in other countries is called the central bank. In our country, it's called the Federal Reserve, and making them go through a, a bit of a ritual so that you can't let the president directly create money, even though indirectly he can get the Federal Reserve to do it for him, which is exactly what uh, Obama did, uh, what uh, Trump did, and what Biden is doing now. Well, the Republicans like to position themselves as the keepers of the flame, uh, the, the ones who are making sure that the terrible inflation won't come, etc., etc. So they denounce spending beyond um, whatever the cap is that we have on it at any given time. They've done that over and over again. It's good publicity for them being watchful guardians and, and that kind of ritualistic posturing for the press. In the end, it is so dangerous for the United States not to pay its bills. And that would be what would happen if, if you don't let the government borrow. For example, this year, the government is scheduled to spend $3 trillion more than it takes in in taxes. It has to borrow that. In order to borrow that, it has to go over the current cap, and that's what they're discussing uh, raising so that they can borrow. If they don't, the government is going to have to decide to whom it, it sends the famous letter, sorry, we were expecting to spend on you, but we're not going to be able to, thereby crushing whoever the sectors are in the society who expected to have that money spent on them. That's politically difficult, and so the game between the Republicans and the Democrats is who is going to have the, the fun of posturing as the, love, the great guardian, who is going to be in the hot seat of denying people the money that had been promised and expected by them. And that's really all this is. About the trillion dollar thing, that's a threat. That's the threat of the Democrats against the Republicans. If you don't raise the cap so we can't borrow, we're going to do a magic trick. The Treasury is going to create a coin, say that it's worth a trillion dollars, give that to the Federal Reserve as collateral, and then the Federal Reserve will simply set up an account for the U.S. government of a trillion dollars, which they can then draw against in giving everybody the check. These are simply detailed legalistic maneuvers while the two sides play around with what? Well, here's the big news. We are an economy that's on life support from the Federal Reserve. Our economy doesn't work anymore. And the government has to spend way beyond what it raises in taxes to keep it going. And the Federal Reserve has to pump more money in than ever before to keep it going. For a while, that worked. But now they can't undo what they've already done. They dare not stop the dependence of the economy, because we're like an addict. You cannot suddenly stop the flow of heroin because you p plunge the addict into something that could, at the very least, wreck his life, at the worst, kill him. 
And we're like that now in this economy. Nobody knows what to do. We've never been in quite this situation before. And what you're watching is an endless gimmickry as the people in charge try on the one hand to position themselves for political points, and on the other hand, look at each other blankly, not knowing what to do with the situation we've gotten ourselves into. Yeah, it's a tough one. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archives. Quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, all into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. It's accessible from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash Hartman with two N's. netsuite.com slash Hartman. That's netsuite.com slash Hartman. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? or the friends you find along the way. Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more, but you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. The 14th Amendment says that the debt of the United States shall not be questioned. Does that, in the circles, the economist circles that you travel in and, and, you know, and, the, and the political observations that you make, do you think that, that there's any chance that, that this administration might pull that out and say, you know, we're just going to keep on writing the checks and if somebody wants to sue us, go ahead, but uh, we think we'll win before the Supreme Court because we believe that this uh, debt limit, uh, this debt ceiling law uh, that was passed back in 1918 or whenever it was is uh, Ill unconstitutional. No, that, that, that's a level of uh, political honesty I don't think, I really don't You're think they're capable of. Yeah, they're going to maneuver around it. They're going to issue these coins. They're going to come up with a lot of double talk. They're going to ignore this because, in fact, it's not a question of what the Constitution does or doesn't say. The whole world depends on the U.S. dollar for as what's called the reserve currency. It's what banks hold to prove to the world that they're solid, that they're solvent. Look, we have this reserve in the form of a dollar. Nothing else plays that role. Maybe the Chinese yuan will in the years ahead, but the euro certainly has, is not able to. The Japanese yen uh, stop being able to even pretend uh, to try to do that. So if the United States were actually to default, it would shake the confidence 
of the entire world financial system. Even that we might survive were it not for the fact that the capitalist system we live in is on life support now, cannot possibly survive such a shock. Everybody in the game knows it. So the United States has to, basically. But here's the problem. You're stuck. Like, they can't raise interest rates, even though they know they should, because we're such an indebted country that the businesses, the government, and the individuals cannot service the debt they already have if the interest rates went up. So the very thing you did to solve the problem created a new problem, which is even harder to solve. This is an economic system that is desperate now and that is casting about for one gimmick after another to keep it all going. Uh, And this is a story that it is easy to say will not end well. And I might give you a footnote. Uh, Dr. Nouriel Roubini, who was one of the few who predicted the crash of 2008 and 9. He's a business professor at the Stern School of Business in New York City. He has been back in the news saying exactly what I am saying to you now, that we have work... waltzed our way into an economic dead end, and the game of the politicians is mostly to pretend that that's not the case, even as it gets worse. I've read in a couple of different places over the years, but I've never seen quantified the argument that um, had Reagan not cut taxes the way he did, um, you know, when Reagan came into office, the national debt was $800 billion. When he left, it was $2.3 trillion. So he tripled the national debt in, in eight years. Um, the, and, and most of that was his tax cuts. And had Reagan not cut taxes, and then to compound that, had George W. Bush not cut taxes by, you know, trillions, and then, and then to triple compound that, had Donald Trump not cut taxes, that we would still have a national debt of around a trillion dollars and we wouldn't be having this conversation. Do you know if anybody has ever quantified exactly what the economy would look like had those three very consequential Republican tax cuts in the last 40 years never happened? Over the years I have read, I wish I could bring them to mind, I can, but I have read a few articles that made, let's call it partial attempts to do what you do, what you just asked about. Uh, And indeed, One article I remember about what Bush did, another article about Reagan. Uh, I'm not sure whether we have that kind of thing about Trump, but my guess is we do. But we shouldn't be surprised. What you're seeing is the Republicans found a politically viable way to survive as a party. They became the party that was going to deliver to the American people something really phony, but it sounded good. We'll cut your taxes. The tax cut Santa Clauses. That's right. (laughs) Tax cut Santa Claus. People were squeezed in American capitalism for the last 40 years. They wanted some relief. Being told that here's a party that will at least not raise your taxes, but maybe even cut them, that offered some kind of relief. The logical question, what happens if they cut taxes to the services you rely on, to the state of the economy, that carefully was avoided as a question the Republicans felt they needed to answer. And so you had this crazy politics of Republicans saying, I'm going to cut your taxes, Democrats 
saying, I'm going to give you a, a new program or spend more money on you. The compromise between these two, we know only too well. The Democrats exceeded to the Republican tax cuts, and the Republicans exceeded to the Democratic spending increases, with the result that our deficits, as you just summarized, went crazy. But, you know, that's not really a solution because the rising levels of debt and the need to service the debt, that produces the increase in the money supply, the role of the Federal Reserve to keep it all going with endless money creation. So now you have a new problem. But, you know, systems, when they start to go down, that's what they do. The example to see it clearer is Britain. They were going down for many of the same reasons, and they invented, the conservatives over there, the equivalent of the Republicans, they invented the fantasy story, it's all Europe's fault, if you vote to leave Europe, everything will get better. It got them into office, it keeps them in office, England is in worse shape than it's ever been, and they're just looking for the next gambit to play. Yeah, that's amazing. Professor Richard Wolff. Uh, democracyatwork.info. Uh, Professor, thank you so much for dropping by. Great talking with you. My pleasure. Thank you. Always a pleasure. So for this week's special video that we put up over at TomHartman.com, I stepped into the Wayback Machine, and it's really remarkable when you go back over what President Obama accomplished, and the Democrats in the House of Representatives and in the Senate, what they accomplished between 2008 and 2010 when they controlled Congress and the White House versus everything that the Republicans blocked. I mean, the Democrats in those two years, they saved Chrysler, they saved General Motors, they turned 800,000 monthly job losses into job gains, they increased education spending, decreased the cost of student loans, all kinds of great stuff. But then when the Republicans took over, they blocked a veteran's job bill, they blocked Wall Street reform, they blocked immigration reform, they blocked political ad disclosure. And this is just a little tip of the iceberg. You can see the whole video over at TomHartman.com. Brian in Fort Worth, Texas. Hey, Brian, what's on your mind today? You were talking about your time in uh, CompuServe, mm -hmm. run a forum. Uh, you made the comment that CompuServe always started people flat rate no matter how long they were on it. And that's actually not true. They started off charging by the minute, um, something I really? took a long time paying off. Um, both CompuServe and, and AOL did it. Oh, that's I don't know if you recall, but they used to send, they used to send out um, disks, like first the three-and-a-half-inch floppies, and then when CDs Oh, I remember around. those well. Uh, uh, because I was a forum yeah. administrator, I had a free account, so uh, I, I guess I was disconnected from that, uh, that reality. They did go to a flat uh, monthly fee, though, at some point, did they not? Uh, yeah, it was, I think it was like around, uh, what, 97? It was like a year or so before AOL bought them out. Oh, wow. Yeah, because I started with them in... Jeez, the, uh, the early 80s, as I recall. Um, and I also ran a forum, uh, the trade forum, where we charge, there, there was actually a premium forum with an actual monthly fee associated with it. But okay, Brian, thank you. Thanks for setting the record straight. I appreciate <laughs> no it. No problem. You have a good yeah. one. Yeah, you too. Uh, nice to revisit those times, too. Uh, Linda in Auburn, Washington. Hey, Linda, what's on your mind today? Hi. Um, well, I was hearing about economics, and I wanted to bring up the idea. We have um, 
bitcoins that I understand uses a lot of electricity. So I had the idea of green bits, something like that, where the value is connected. It could be a paper currency, too. But uh, the value is connected to indicators of health so that if the indicators are rising, the value rises. So anyway, I have more ideas related to that. But It seems like it might be dicey to have a currency that is pegged to something over which you don't have a lot of control. It would, it, it would be hard to, to, you know, to function in an economy knowing that your money might lose, you know, the, 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 the 10,000 bucks you have in the bank might become only worth $7,000 next week if, if a report comes out that says that the country's not doing the right things with regard to its health or its environment. Right, there would be things to figure out. Now, uh, some state might wanna try some alternative currency or, you know, we could try it on a smaller scale. There's I also would want to say that you'd want indicators of health, social health, um, personal health, environmental health, that you'd I'd want to see tied to that people are working towards increasing the health because we might see, you know, things continue to go downhill a bit. But just, just for trying to like make a kelp forest for example okay you get points for that you know so i mean just play it sure. like a game yeah even. In, in other words, you don't even have to have it as a real currency just even points you know it would right. be just uh, helps people focus on the positive and what things are going right in the world and that will be good in itself <laughs> yeah i mean, yeah you're talking about basically a social currency and it's a i think it's a great beginning point for a conversation on this how do we how do we create the social pressure and incentivize you know good behavior uh, and particularly at the level of the corporations linda thank you for the call Courtney in Brooklyn, New York. Hey, Courtney, what's on your mind today? Hey, good afternoon, Tom. My concerns are right spot on with the topics with Professor Wolf. I just wanted to say that Congress should get together and basically empower the Treasury to take over, um, take over the currency of the economy. So, so the corporations will no longer have any leverage over over society. They need to forgive the debt. Because if they if they just if Treasury just takes over the Federal Reserve and you know and the money printing so the Treasury could print the money instead of the Federal Reserve they will be able to forgive the debt and you know redistribute currency and wealth and you know cancel out any financial inequality. This is the reason why the corporate tax rate was sixty to eighty percent back almost a hundred years ago. Before the Federal Reserve Act, it's like it, it, it's like a historical truth, and it's like people are just, you know, like it's been canceled out their minds. Yeah, it seems so straightforward. No, I, I get what you're saying, Courtney. I I think the probability of the Fed being dissolved is probably around zero. You know, it was put into place in 1913 to prevent the regular financial panics that we had been having all the way back to the George Washington administration. About every three or four years, there would be just a massive crash and banks would fail and just all kinds of crazy stuff would go on. And, and that's when the world kind of developed this federal banking system. You can debate its, its value, 
but it seems to have stabilized our money supply, at, at least, you know, the, the Federal Reserve. Um, it, it seems like we're now in a place where where the Treasury can take take control of the, the currency and well, all like, those all those issues that that existed back then it wouldn't it wouldn't happen anymore because we you know we're decades if not centuries into the future now and we're equipped to deal with that plus there's already an imbalance on the other side they've over benefited from this from the federal reserve act so yeah yeah so i mean you know, the trillion dollar coin is like a, a step in in that direction of the the treasury claiming their power to you know, mint, mint, I mean, the Constitution says that they can mint coins, which is why all the coins that we have are Treasury issued and they're actual currency of the United States, whereas all the paper that we have in our pockets and all the zeros that are, the numbers that are on your bank account are actually Federal Reserve dollars. They're, they're, they reflect money, you know, created by or on deposit with or whatever the proper phrase is with the Federal Reserve. But I doubt it's going to happen. I mean, the news agencies right now are reporting that Mitch McConnell is is offering two different options to Chuck Schumer. It's like you know, like a mafia You're in the godfather of the, of the corporations. Yeah. Oh yeah. Exactly what what what, what needs to happen was less likely to happen. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you, Courtney. Thank you for the call. Bob in Tahlequah, Oklahoma. Hey, Bob, what's on your mind today? Yes, yes, Tom. Lost people, we will be helping to disseminate that. Thank you. Good work. And I just want to get as concise as possible. Um, thank you. And to Courtney calling from New York earlier, he was really making the point, that he's driving home the point, that they're still, they're still trying to take us backwards. And uh, uh, and then to a previous caller who was responding to uh, Professor Wolf, yes, uh, there's a lot of talk about the culture that upholds whatever economy is going on. And I think that's what we're dealing with here. We're stripping away. They're still trying to strip us away. And if we don't apply cannabis to regenerating the forest and small farms, we're going to remain lost. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I, I am with you, Bob, on on hemp, on cannabis, uh, and I know you've you've been on this hobby horse for years and years, calling into the show, and I'm with you. I'm totally with you. Professor needs to discuss what it takes to make a sustainable economy, and if we're going to leave out cannabis, if we're going to leave it out of the discussion because the politicians don't want to talk about it. We're not doing democracy. We're not doing safety. Yeah, I'm with you. Bob, I got to run. Thank you for the call, though. And thank you for being with us today. What a day, huh? Uh, A lot of uh, interesting stuff to ponder as we go forward. Let me again just suggest that you check out this piece. It's called The Lost People. It's a long read. It'll take you 20 minutes to read it. It's over at HartmanReport.com. It should be right at the top. And, you know, as we head toward, uh, well, tomorrow or Friday, you know, uh, if you want to comment on it, I'd love to hear your comments because it's really a deep piece. So get out there, get active, tag, you're it. We'll see you tomorrow. Have a great afternoon. Be good to yourself, the people around you and the planet.
You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com. 